<laughs> I can do the outro. You want to do the? You can do the outro, Mark. Oh. Oh, no, thanks for listening to episode twelve of One Play Podcast. <laughs> Please donate. Wipe up the subscribe. <laughs> comments down below. I didn't even know it was episode twelve. So he's done better than I would have done anyway. Welcome back to another instalment of the Run of Play podcast. A fresh take on football with no filter, no censor and no suits. Alongside Elliot, Liam, Abby and myself Cameron today is Mark Cohen. Mark is the co-founder and CEO of Entourage Global, a global talent agency specialising in football, representing some of the biggest athletes and personalities in the game, helping to create bold commercial strategies with some of the biggest brands. Looking forward to chatting to him about the industry and his experiences so far. Co-founder and CEO of Entourage Global, you've worked with some huge names in football and sport as a whole to bring brands and talent together. Just dropping onto the website or having a scroll down Instagram, you can see the names you've worked with and collaborated with, the likes of Roberto Carlos, Cesc Fabregas, John Terry. Can you give the listeners a deeper understanding of what your company delivers? Thank you. Uh, thank you first for inviting me. Um, great podcast, really. Uh, Proud to be on it. Um, so Entourage was set up six years ago, essentially to connect rights holders with brands. Rights holders are essentially um, talent or football clubs or federations, somebody that control their own image rights and connecting them with brands to monetize that image rights. So we sit essentially in the middle. So we will either work for talent to help sell their image rights, get them sponsorships in betting, drinks, uh, electronics, like normal conventional endorsements, or we work with uh, rights holders, that be it um, football clubs or federations, partnering with them with brands um, and helping maximize their, their image rights, essentially. Um, we also uh, represent talent for media, uh, personal appearance, engagements after dinner speaking. We have a football agency now, so we represent some players scattered across the world uh, from Brazil, right the way across to uh, the UAE, Israel, um, Ukraine. Um, and we're slowly moving into the world of production, film production. We have a lot of players that wish to tell their story um, with the, the likes of Netflix, Amazon, etc. These kind of platforms it enables us to help produce these either short form or long form documentaries and take them to market. Hmm. I mean, it's a pretty cool brand. I mean, from everything I've seen from you guys, it just really draws you in. Um, but before we get a bit deeper onto questions about Entourage, um, you know, there's been a lot of football to discuss, including Tottenham. So we'll start at the top of the league, uh, of course. Um, of course we so, will. <laughs> uh, so Mark, tell us about who you support and obviously why you support them. Well, I support Tottenham. So, Yay! yeah. yeah. Buzzing. Exactly. No, I'm proud to say, I mean, for the first time in God knows how many, maybe five years, I'm proud of it. Or oh, the first time since Madrid, <laughs> I've been proud to say I support Tottenham. Um, I'm third generation Tottenham supporter. My grandpa switched from West Ham at the age of seven to come a Spurs supporter. Um, my, my dad, my dad was a Spurs supporter. They saw the glory years of the 60s, uh, right through to the UEFA Cup in the 80s. 
Um, I've been a season ticket now for a few years. Uh, I was on the dreaded waiting list. I gave it up in the late 90s and couldn't get it back. Um, so yeah, I'm a Spurs fan, very proud, um, enjoying it at the moment. I kind of feel a bit bad that we're playing well, perhaps because there's no fans there. So, <laughs> but, but as a loyal fan, I'm happy to stay away for as long as that continues. What stand are you in, Mark? What, where, where's your season ticket? Uh, North Upper. Nice. Yeah, so I'm, apparently I'm in the family section. I'm in the family <laughs> section, which I thought would be full of uh, like you know uh, ball ponds and uh, baby changing sections, but no, no, it's 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 the same as every other section. I like it. It's good vantage point. I've yet to actually really tour the stadium. Unfortunately, I'm one of these fans that get in ten minutes before leave leave. Yeah five minutes before the end <laughs> i'm a bad fan nice. i mean i got the survey today through from tottenham you know how long do you get there before do you listen to live music and i was like i'm no I, i'm in i'm on twitter in bed within two hours <laughs> so but i do miss it i do miss i miss the, the build up the stress the 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 music the, the freezing cold the sausage rolls can't wait to get sausage back rolls are decent. it is weird mm. Is that what you were saying there as well about like, you know, long may it continue to success even if we can't be there right now. But like, can you remember what was it? It was probably the the start, the, like the restart and when the football that we were playing. And it was like, I remember thinking like, thank God I'm not there. Thank God I'm not traveling all the way to Spurs to watch that football. But now it's like, even just in the space of what is, you know, six months or so, it, the, the style of football that, I'll say we're, I'll say we're, because we're all Spurs fans. The style of football that we're playing is, um, it's just completely different to what it was, yeah, not not long ago at all. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I've just finished All or Nothing. I didn't get round to watching it. And, you know, Spurs away at Bournemouth was perhaps the, the one of the lowest points of the year. You know, mm-hmm. I can't even believe it was still this year. But um, he's, he's, you know, we've bought where we've needed to buy. We've, we haven't played players that don't deserve to play. And, you know, I think the problem with Spurs fans is we're very, much, we're very nostalgic. And I think... A lot of us now have, are quite happy for the winkses and the delis to be cut if it makes us better. We're kind of we're tired of being a good-looking team and not winning anything. I think enough's enough. And, you know, um, I'm glad Jose's there. Uh, do we all agree Jose's a good manager? Abby, are you a Jose fan, Jose fan now? Uh, I'm I'm a converted. I'm definitely a converted. I was go. very I was I was one of those that was very much on the fence. I didn't make any secrets about it, and I loved Pochettino. But like you said, you can only you know not win something for so long. So exactly. now you've got a manager. He's proven in every other club he's ever been at. Yes, it might end a bit sour, but just living in the here and the now. So if anyone's going to win you a trophy, it's going to be Jose. And the fact that we're playing nice football, we're grinding out games, getting results. You can't really argue with it. The only time you can argue is if you're playing shit and you're not getting the results. Kind of how we were up until that Bournemouth game when things after that kind of picked up a bit and we had a little bit of a run and then obviously it's kind of kicked on this season. But obviously within saying that, we are top of the league at the moment. So and Arsenal Mark, are, all, uh, are awful. So <laughs> there they are. And <laughs> they're, not even, they're not even a thought in, anyone, in anyone's exactly. mind, which is even nicer uh, heading exactly. into a derby. In a few weeks, but where do you think we'll finish then this season? Because we are, um, we're, only in no- we're only in November, so we can't get. I really, to- I mean, uh, I mean, ambitions are always top four. I miss the Champions League music. I miss being involved. For me, that's that's the ambition, top four. Um, Trophy. Pardon. Trophy. Oh yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love a League Cup. I, I still remember when uh, Woodgate scored the winner. I mean, the, the oh. chills. 
what I would give just to have a League Cup. I was excited when we won the Audi Cup. So you, know, <laughs> you take what you can get. <laughs> I take what you can get, definitely. I think I think Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, they've got big pockets, you know. They can buy four or five players in January. We don't have that money. We we you know, eighteen million pound losses or whatever. But um it all comes down to COVID, unfortunately. It's you know, a Salah could be out for another two weeks or this one could get sick and it's if, if we're going to win it one year, it will be this year. And I'm going to continue dwelling on it for a little bit because we've kind of held ourselves back for quite a few weeks now talking about Tottenham at all. So maybe <laughs> just one more question about Tottenham. How much did we enjoy that game against City? Because that was the weirdest, well, for me, it was the weirdest kind of feeling watching a match that felt comfortable against a team where you should usually fear. Yeah, exactly. I didn't, I didn't for one minute think, oh, we're going to let a goal in or, oh my God, it's going to be this. Even the VAR decision was so handball it wasn't like oh is it going to mm. go one way we were fully in control um you know and Jose did the business his in-game management was brilliant and obviously Lo Celso scored in 35 seconds <laughs> great but everyone who came on even like when the guys come off they all look happy to come off and it's a shame about Toby mm. um but you know the guy who came on was great and listen it's take the wins when you can and I, I, the good thing about being on TV every game is that the world gets to see us and it's, you know, it's, it's good fun. You know, I've got, I got clients in Switzerland who send me league tables of Tottenham, <laughs> you know, and it's just, it's, it's fun being a Spurs fan at the moment. But so, but, you know, we, we, we know it often doesn't end this way, so I'm yeah. going to enjoy it. And, <laughs> you know, watching Match of the Day and, and you know, um, Alan Shearer raving about us is brilliant, so... It's more actually just watching Match of the Day because I don't yeah. think anyone watches Match of the Day when That's we lose. That's true. No, it's true. This is true. I don't think I watched it once last Something season. to look forward to on a Saturday night, yeah. <laughs> so we've spoken enough about Tottenham now, but uh, Liverpool's uh, Diego Jota uh, also hasn't slowed down in his form and despite all the injuries, I guess if we're taking us back to reality, uh, they're still sort of strolling past Leicester and I guess you could say joint top. Or nah, we'll call them second. Nah, not um, top. And yeah, they're, they're also well in well in uh, the title race. So, who do we think? Who do we think the three, four are that are gonna gonna challenge this year? Is it gonna be? Is it gonna be a set four, or do we do we think there's gonna be another one that just come from nowhere? By the way, I want to rewind on this. Challenge him. I want to rewind on this because a few weeks ago we all said our top. We all said who's gonna win it. I said Everton. I'm pretty sure someone said Villa. Um, I think I said City as well. Yeah, so, yeah. Be careful what Villa. you say now. Yeah, the football experts of the Run of Play podcast. All right, so we'll, we'll play this back in a few months. Um, I think it'll be between uh, Liverpool and Tottenham, genuinely. Um, I think City don't have the squad. Um, Aguero's never going to be fit um, 100%. I think Leicester will run out of steam. Um, they don't have the, the squad depth or the money to compete. You only have to look at them last year. They were... I think they were top four up until, well, five the games to go, and they yeah they they finished outside. So, um, yeah, um, I think Liverpool or Tottenham. Well, I think it'd be a one horse race, but if you have to date two, then Liverpool. <laughs> 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 Not an outside shout from Chelsea then. Um, I think they're in the conversation. Yeah, of course. I mean, they'll always, they'll always be up there, Chelsea. They have got the money and the depth. Um, I just don't know about I don't know about Frank Lampard. You know, it takes a lot to win the league. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it will it will come difficult when the games come thick and fast. 
Christmas is here. Then they, you know, how far they're going to go in the Champions League. They're going to qualify tonight for the next round. What takes priority? They'll have to make some decisions. Does does his B team uh, is it good enough to compete? Who knows? I think that's that's where it's it's so interesting this season, isn't it? That it's like literally any you know any team in that top six could could go on a run and suddenly find themselves at you know top of the league. So we're only two points or, or no points away from Liverpool, but two points away from from Chelsea, and then you've got Leicester, you've got um, yeah, and obviously then you know your your cities can always go on a run uh, and and come back to 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 haunt you know us even if we did beat them so um, was it today i think they announced that um fans will be allowed back i think it's for 4000 fans in areas that are in are in one of the lower tiers i think that's quite an interesting topic as well because it's like that halfway house where i think you know the rules that will be brought in is like fans won't be able to get food or drink inside the stadium and stuff and it might i was talking to a friend at work today and he said it might be quite nice for those sort of like lower league clubs where it still feels like you know if you've got 2000 3000 fans there it doesn't feel entirely different, but these massive grounds, you know, Spurs, Old Trafford, the Emirates, the Etihad, wherever it is, I feel like if there's only 4,000 fans in some of those, I personally almost wouldn't want to go back. I just think it would be such a, like, it's almost like dragging you in and showing you what is, what could be, like, you know, that you could be there, but you're not. And I don't know, I don't know I what you guys think. I think it would be more think. distracting for the players. They'll, they'll be able to pinpoint what people are saying rather than a, a large murmur of 60,000 people, they'll be able to hear Joe from Essex <laughs> calling him a whatever. Yeah. So it might be a bit distracting. Well, I don't know if anyone went to the like the first game that was at the stadium that was the, um, I think it was the youth game, wasn't it? Where it was, it was like they were doing 8,000, then it was like 20,000, and then it was like full capacity. Yeah. And it, it's just a different, I mean, if you've ever been to a youth game, um, it's just a different experience. You can't really get chance going because it just sounds... You know, like ridiculous. Um, can't remember <laughs> what the word is, but it, it yeah, it sounds ridiculous. It sounds just echoey and just a bit weird. Um, but at the same time, actually going to football and like you know, just being in the being in the stadium. It's a and, good opportunity for people to go to their local team. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, just in, you know, I went, I went down to my local high street. There was just people just out going to shops that they didn't. They were browsing in boots. You know, the people desperate just to do stuff. So just to, you know, if you can go down to, I don't know, Barnet or wherever your local team is and just, you know, enjoy grassroots football, just take take your young children there because chances are you probably won't ever again. And it's, you know, it's a really good opportunity to, you know, show people that there are different levels of football. Yeah, especially totally, with the state. I totally agree mm. with you. I was totally. going to say, especially with the state that those clubs are in as well right now. Okay. It's like... There are so many clubs are sort of on the brink of bankruptcy and collapsing, and it's like, yeah, if people were, if he would choose to go to their local club in that time, and like, you know, I think I don't know what the situation will be with TV, but I imagine it will stay the same in terms of like all the games will stay live, even if it's a very limited amount of people that go in. So, like you touched on earlier, Mark, there's still the opportunity to watch your team's games, but like you said, that Saturday afternoon or whatever, you can go out and and support your community, and I think that way is like a very nice way of looking at it instead of. Yeah, potentially like having to listen to four thousand fans at Old Trafford, in which would just be well, it'd be about the same noise, but it wouldn't be very good to look at. Yeah, I mean, hopefully you'll see sort of a bounce back, won't you, from 
from people being sort of not having football in their lives and not being able to watch football that actually, you know, on a Saturday night where a Barnet or a, a lower league team are playing, you will just sort of go down and actually, you know, get out there and see more football and hopefully buy more tickets and support these clubs a little bit more than just, oh, every Saturday I go to Tottenham or every Saturday I go to a Premier League game. You will hopefully, um, yes, go and watch more football and there will be that bounce back in, in revenue for these smaller clubs. Yeah, and I think and it's, it's just highlight this it's generating the interest, isn't it, in those clubs yeah. as well? It's giving them more money because you lots of people always tend to, if they support someone that's in the championship or League One, League Two, they always have a big club and then they have a smaller club. So having your local club, uh, you know, on your doorstep, it's something so nice that you can do. And it's actually quite funny that this has actually been brought up because I'm in the middle of starting a project with a few guys through um, an, another channel, and it's actually based around grassroots football and it's about going to those grounds and getting the names of those grounds out there so it's interesting to hear that everyone's mentioned that that is something they'd be interested in doing sounds like they're we're onto a good project and it's not then. just the football it's the it's the community around it it's the man who sells programs and pies and half and half scarves you know <laughs> i'm sure there's a factory somewhere in the world with loads of uh spurs west ham scarves unsold i feel sorry for them I feel sorry for them <laughs> Um, Mark, we like to ask all of our guests uh, this one. So what's the best game that you've uh, you've ever been to live? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, no, I was thinking about this one. Um, the best game I've ever been to live, I mean, obviously through my work, I've seen loads of games. Um, prior to that, I'd say I've got a few. So England, Scotland, Euro 96, my dad took me for my birthday, boiling hot day. I was sitting in the corner flag, Gaza scored. We got mobbed by loads of skinheads. <laughs> my dad ended up 10 rows down. Um, then we've got England, Colombia in the World Cup in Moscow. Um, obviously, Tottenham, Ajax. But I was sitting with Heineken. Oh. So, <laughs> so they're one of my clients. So I was sitting with them. And you guys were probably obviously all in the way end going <laughs> mental. And all you could hear was noise. All I heard was silence. It was like somebody pressed the off button. It went zoom. And it was like, it was, I couldn't believe it. And it was just the weirdest thing ever. But whilst it was a great game for me, I didn't enjoy that part because mm. I couldn't really. Yeah. Did you have to suppress it? Did you really just have to like try and not go mad? Oh, oh poor. Oh, sorry. sorry I was in. You know, I was in the Chelsea but... end for the um, for the Carling Cup final, and I had to do exactly the same thing for fear of being attacked. Yeah. And the guy I was with, the English guy, is the head of sponsorship for Heineken. He's an Arsenal fan. <laughs> it was even better. Oh, <laughs> beautiful. The turn. Yeah. The turn well, and the right I... smile. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, I think one of the best games I've been to, um, I think it's like Spurs at home to Real Madrid. It was one of those yeah. games where everything we did worked and it was amazing. You had the atmosphere, you had Wembley, you know, everyone turned up. Winks was amazing, Delhi was amazing, Ericsson, Trippier was banging in the crosses. Ronaldo was playing, they had the best team, in, they, were the, the, they were the champions, I believe, right? And we just, yeah. And that was one of the few games you come away from as high as a kite it was just i just loved it i mean but yeah that's one of the probably one of the best games everything we did and even when we let a goal in it wasn't like a oh with spurs we're gonna mess it up it was just like it was almost like a party and mm -hmm. i just yeah that's probably if i had to narrow it down give me that every week some great selections good selection very good selection um all right so let's move on let's talk about entourage because obviously that's why um we wanted you here that's why i thought it was a spurs on. podcast <laughs> not just do you know we're, we're not we're the anti-spurs podcast just run by four spurs fans so um <laughs> they make of that what you will 
Um, okay, so let's talk about Entourage. Um, I think the first question is, uh, what's been the most rewarding project you've been a part of? Um, I mean, there's different different levels of reward. Uh, a project where I'm able to take my friends and give them tickets to stuff, that's great. Um, we worked on a project with uh, Messi, actually, for the World Cup. Um, Meng Nui, a Chinese dairy brand, they were sponsoring the World Cup, so they were a FIFA sponsor, and they wanted a a big footballer to to go ahead with uh, with the campaign so use his image rights so we broke that deal i mean that was great because you know when you're driving through moscow and you see pictures of messi associated with the brand and that's because of you i mean that, that was a great one to work on other projects we did front of shirt with benfica that was our first main uh, partnership that was with emirates airline um that was about six months into our business um, the first bit of talent we ever did, we put Juninho on the BBC for the World Cup in Rio. My business partner's uh, half Portuguese, so um, he was able to reach out and do that. And little things like um, Thierry Henry is a brand ambassador for Heineken for, at the moment. Watching him on the big screen at White Hart Lane at half time during the Champions League, things like that. You know, you, you, you look up and you say, oh, I did that. You know, that made me very proud. Um, but... I think the messy one was the most rewarding because it elevated us to a different level of agency. It allowed us to um, showcase our ability to understand branding, brand positioning. I mean, obviously, it's not very hard to position Messi as the best player on the planet. But visually, how it would look like on the side of a milk bottle, what the direction should be um, for his shoot. We shot with him for, I think, a grand 45 minutes in Barcelona. <laughs> But um, yeah, no, he was just very slick, came in, just watching him, how he very choreographed, used the same directors and people he always used. So if anything, the, the, the commercial does look very much like everything he's done with Adidas. But no, it was great to be able to throw your hat on Messi for the, the short period that we did. And that deal got renewed last year. So um, yeah, I'd say that certainly is the, um, the most rewarding deal project. Amazing. Um, we've also seen the, the positive influence that footballers and athletes can have. Uh, Marcus Rashford being one that you know everyone's talking about at the moment, and the the incredible work that he's doing using his his name and his influence uh, as a force for good. Do you think we'll continue to see more footballers enter this space and own this space like like Marcus has? I hope so. I mean, I certainly hope so. Um, it, it it definitely is a a very unique platform these guys have. Obviously, they have fans that idolise them. They kind of hang off their every word. But I mean, I think one thing that we all must remember is these guys are young. They're, I mean, the average age is 23. What were we doing when we were 23? You know, to 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 just to, to expect footballers to be uh, conversation starters and to actually make a change is is very unrealistic, and it's a lot of pressure on them um, at such a young age and. You know, we're always encouraging footballers to act responsibly. And I feel sometimes we push them into doing stuff that's not natural for them. You know, Marcus has, has done amazing stuff for the, the obviously feeding the school kids and uh, reading books and, you know, other initiatives. But he's, he's, he's comes from a good stock. He's, he's signed up to a Rock Nation, the, um, the sports agency. So he's got a good PR team around him. That, and this is all part of brand Rashford. So it's, you know, the same way Sterling had uh, his anti-racism, it's all part of brand Sterling. So whilst it is fantastic, and I'm not taking anything away, it's, it's part of the bigger picture. Um, I don't expect um, all footballers to come out and say stuff 
because don't forget, you know, when you when you when one person applauds you, the other person denounces you. So ultimately, they're not politicians. Um, they do have to toe the line with their clubs and their media media people within the clubs and their sponsors. I mean, you only have to look at Meza Ozil and Arsenal and mm. his comments and and his relationship with Arsenal is totally imploded because of it. You know, it's it's clearly not a squad selection thing. He, you know, he's yeah. one of the best players in the world. You'd put him in the Premier League squad. So there's a fine balance between um, saying what you feel um, and also uh, being aware that people do pay your wages. But no, certainly I'd, I'd love to see more um, of the young footballers focus more on doing good and not just like club stuff, but going out there and doing not just selling hats and doing esports deals, <laughs> you know, just really, yeah. you know, making a change. And they're, they're very lucky. But at the same time, you know, the whole um, players should be furloughed. I know we're getting a bit <laughs> off topic, but I think, you know, why? You know, these guys are working hard. They earn money. They don't, you know, it's, they, I'm sure they would do it for half the salaries. It's, uh, I, I think footballers are put on this pedestal that's perhaps um, unnatural. Uh, but yeah, no, it'll be, it'll be great to see more of them do it. The club should encourage it more. The agents should encourage it more because ultimately good PR creates for us more commercial opportunities. You know, Rashford's now the face of Burberry. He's now the, you know, he's got a beat deal coming up. So it obviously, whilst it helps many generations and in, in kids in poverty, it's also helping his brand. So it's, it's a win-win for everybody. Hmm. It's an interesting point there as well, what you said about, the, the pedestal that players are put on and some players like Rashford, like Sterling, they, they jump on that, right? That's that they've, they've got a bigger message and like, it's incredible the work that they're doing that goes, that goes beyond football. Um, that other point being that, like you said, with what's happened with Mesut Ozil, where he's called something out and it's gone the other way. And I think like, and then very quickly, a lot of Arsenal fans have, have turned on him too, because he's not playing and they feel like he's stealing the living. And it is a very fine line. And even touching on that, um, point about furlough there it's like we're all speaking about football now we're we're doing a football podcast in the midst of a football lockdown and it's like the societal impact that those guys have at such a young age into like improving everyone's lives you know we're just like dreaming about going back to the football and even though it's not about them it's about everything around it like they are the product at the end of it and so yeah it's it's such a strange time at the moment um and there are loads of things that need calling out but I think yeah players are especially with the spotlight um, so heavily focused on them with it feel like not as much other stuff's going on. They're just all those young players having to tread so carefully. One of my um, best mates, professional footballer, plays for Wimbledon. It's like nowhere near the same level, but he's everything he puts out, everything he thinks about, everything he says. He can't even really have a joke online because it's like all it takes is one person to take that joke the wrong way or out of context in five years' time, not even tomorrow. And it's like that player's... You know that 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 really hurts that player. So it's it is it must be scary for those guys. You obviously are closer to it, but do you do you ever sense that from them that sort of fear of like putting any foot wrong in any shape or form? Yeah, I mean totally. It's uh, I mean a lot of guys we work with, they they hire people to do their social media. Mm. I mean it's no coincidence that half the Spurs team post the same picture <laughs> within three minutes of the <laughs> final whistle with what are three points? You know it's all it's all premeditated it's clean it's it's censored it, it you know it, it gives the fans what they want you know it's a high quality picture with uh you know polished rhetoric and um yeah uh then you have the other players who kind of can't resist getting involved in a scrap yeah you know and listen 
we can't ask these guys to be perfect. You know, they're human. The same, the same guy we want to cure famine is the same guy we're going to call useless if he does a silly back pass. You know, it's, you have to yeah. remember these guys are human beings and, you know, it's, uh, they're footballers. They're not actors. You know, we get, uh, or politicians, we get brands that say, oh, can this one do this one in the commercial? Well, no, he's not an actor and he's not a singer and he's not a, you know, he's, he's, a, he's an mm -hmm. athlete. So if he, you know, it, it's a bit awkward. So I, again, I think it's about managing expectations. Um, I think the clubs could do more with the players, but then that all comes down to, unfortunately, money, 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 money. It's all about money and, and at this at that level. So um, I'm really, I think Marcus has done a really good thing. It's um, it's come at a really good time where you need positivity. It goes back to authenticity, isn't it? So you can you can feel yeah. that you know yeah. when when things aren't authentic, you you can feel that, and that it doesn't necessarily work. But with with Marcus and with 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 um sterling you can see that it's it's completely authentic and uh, and real and yes it does have benefits to them but uh they are doing some some incredible work like, yeah like trump and the peanut brand what was that peanut brand that he was trying to sell towards the end of his where it was just like him in the white house with peanuts on the end of his desk sometimes <laughs> just yeah just not not forced at yeah it. yeah really scraping um, barrel so it, i mean from what you're talking about um it sounds like it's really like a balance but I suppose when you're collaborating with talent and, and with brands and trying to bring them together, what do you think is the most important aspect that kind of makes these a success? Um, communication, I think, is uh, the, the most important thing we look for. A uh, clear objective. Everyone buys into the, at the start that um, this is the campaign, this is what we're looking to achieve. Um, I know it's a cliche, but there's, um, it's important as a shared vision. It's not just we're a brand, we're going to pay you, you're going to do what we tell you. It's um, like you said, it's the authenticity, it's got to be natural. Um, you want a player to feel like they're making a difference and they're encouraging people to uh, invest or part with their money or um, to buy into a story or some sort of journey with the brand. Um, these are all very marketing buzzwords. Uh, engagement <laughs> is the the main catch um i think yeah just communication there's nothing worse than when a brand asks um, a player to do xyz and then it turns out it's abc you know because then there's an immediate distrust breakdown in uh, the relationship but uh, um you know we encourage at the start to all be transparent and uh, try and get the the talent with the brand in a room or on a phone so they can express themselves and <coughs> yeah so excuse me <laughs> So um, that's one of the main things we, we look for. Um, and also it's, um, it, it, again, it depends on the brand. We do have a lot of Asian betting brands, let's say. They just want big and showy and gold dust and like Vegas. <laughs> Whereas um, other, brands, other brands want um, a bit more of a um, understanding on the return of investment. They want to drill down on the data. What's the demographic of the talent? How are they going to uh, interact with our users? What are we going to get back? They're the harder deals to do. Yeah. So obviously, there's mm. um, a sense of liability behind those. Um, but they're the more rewarding in so much that, you know, you've managed to fight your corner and get something over the line based on fact. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, uh, those, those essentially are what we look for. Is there, um, when you touch on like brands there and their sort of different approaches to the sort of work they want, is there 
a dream brand for you to come in? I mean, I don't think we've actually mentioned it yet as well, some of the actually some of the names that you do have um on the roster at Entourage. But um is there a brand that you'd love you'd love to come in for some of those guys, like a sort of dream brand where you think, Oh, I'd love it if we could if we could partner with them in some way? I think Apple. I'd love to work with Apple. <laughs> I mean, Apple for me is they're the only brand I can think of that tells us what we want other way around rather than the other way around. I mean, Apple tells us we need a new phone with four cameras and eight, you can shoot in 8K. But I don't, I don't need that, but they're telling me I need that. And all of their stuff they do is, um, you know, they're leading the future. Their marketing's all very polished, high class, um, but with this like emotional undertone that sucks us in. It's almost like sweets. We know they're bad for us. They're going to write our teeth, but oh, do we love sweets? You know, so, no, I'd love to work with Apple. Um, Nike, I'd like to work with Nike. We've, we've worked with Adidas. We just signed a player to Adidas. Um, we understand their, um, it's, it's all very obvious what they do. But, um, and a Nike would be a cool brand to work with. Both of them at the same time. Yeah, well, one on the left foot, one on the right foot. <laughs> When you um when you talk about that then obviously touching already like some of the brands you've worked with, you know, Heineken, Nissan, Sega, is there with also I think firstly it'd be cool if you just let us know some of the you know, the biggest players for the audience that you that you're working with that are on your roster. And also is there is there a player out there, can be past or present, so they don't have to still be playing, could have been Pele in his prime, for example. Is there a player out there um that you'd love to you'd love to get at Entourage? Well, I mean, the players we look after, so we we specialise in essentially originally post-career so yeah. for example um one of our main clients is roberto carlos three-time Amazing. champion league winner world cup winner so galactico currently works at world madrid so for all the champions league sponsors having him at an event or the face of their brand so gazprom nissan heineken it makes sense it's easier yeah. to do. So like oh roberto carlos he's really cool he's really funny his english is poor my spanish is awful <laughs> So we have good fun, you know. <laughs> the Vesa is beer, so that's kind of the language we speak. But he's great. He lights up a room. He'll engage people. He's got great stories. Um, we also work with John Terry, uh, Cesc Fabregas. But we also bro- broker a lot of deals. So, you know, I mean, the list of names is long and vile. Yeah, but, um, yeah. It's, um, so, yeah, Julio Cesar, Gilberto Silva. We've done stuff with Robbie Keane, Berbatov. These are kind of players that we actively go out and look for stuff we look after Artur Mello who um Artur Mello who plays for Juventus yeah he's a current player we're looking after him commercially so um boot deal with Adidas it's just been signed I don't know if it's been announced so I don't know when this goes live but whatever it's say, an exclusive well, exclusive uh, we always like an exclusive yeah, go. you've got your thumbnail Elliot. <laughs> yeah, all your Brazilian Italian <laughs> followers yeah. um so yeah um I mean in terms of who I would love to work with does it have to be a footballer no. No, absolutely Talent. not. I mean, I'd love to work with someone like Roger Federer. He just seems like such a nice guy, very humble. Um, you know, I've worked with pretty much every footballer there is. I mean, I don't think I've worked with Jose. He was good fun to work with. Uh, Ronaldinho, Thierry Henry, Figo, etc. Um, also something big and like very American. I'd like to work with like Patrick Mahomes. Mm. Yeah. Like a big Super Bowl ad for like... <laughs> Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts. You know, One of those 30 second American shots. Half-time show, like, like an Amazon or an Uber <laughs> campaign for, with Pat Jim Mahomes, kind of, mm. that kind of big size project. But um, 
My com my company works uh, works Thank on Dunkin's. There's there you go. Let's let's yeah, let's a make it happen. There's a kid. Well, we'll there trade you. you. We'll trade you, Roberto Carlos, for Duncan Bates. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are all on ten percent. <laughs> yeah. And if Roger and if Roger That's Federer is listening to this podcast, get in touch. Yeah. Please go. <laughs> um, okay, so we've obviously seen examples of footballers and athletes that use social media for the better, um, but there are some examples where it does go a little bit wrong. Um, we can think of Victor Enichby's Twitter gaffe or Jodie and Lescott. And his picture of a car after a loss. Do you think there are players now? Do you think they're much more savvy to avoid those kind of mistakes because they're so well looked after by the by the social media teams? Um, they should be, but ultimately, look, people use social media for all sorts. I mean, some people use it for commercial gain. Some people just use it to talk to people. Um, and unfortunately, when you decide to talk to people on social media, it could end up wrong and misinterpreted and people can screenshot stuff and uh, you know that's a lesson you teach children so um and these players are no different so no they're not immune to it if anything they're they're more they're more likely to 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 mess up because purely because who they are um a gag that we would send each other on whatsapp on your boys group a meme for example you know the memes if they sent it and it had... I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the, the, if it had um, someone's name and screen grab, then, you know, it's it, it, it goes down bad mm. and it will come back and bite them. So, um, but I'm, again, unfortunately, it's um, they're, they're in this... Uh, I'd say it's almost unprivileged situation of being who they are, you know? So, um, yeah, they're certainly not immune to it. And um, hopefully the clubs and their management teams... Um, constantly uh, reassuring them and, and highlighting to them the dangers of it. You know, who's it? Uh, who's the Man United, um, what's his name? The fullback on, on Snapchat. So, um, yeah, he had a... Trent. Trent. Uh, the oh, the... oh, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, Wan-Bissaka. I that Wan-Bissaka. Oh, yes. What did Wan-Bissaka do? I don't remember. We've got an England right-back problem, haven't we? <laughs> England right-backs, Yeah, so, I know, just, again, ultimately... Um, what us normal people engage in some sort of relationship, friend or whatever online, for them it's a, you know it's a lot worse. And you know, uh, Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood abroad is just highlights that. And unfortunately, as long as publications like the Daily Mail still exist, it will always be in trouble. Yeah. Down with the Daily Mail. Um, wasn't there an MP that did something similar the other day? Like accidentally tweeted a picture of. Is an MP that he like, liked something, didn't he? What was it? No, I'm sure someone tweeted a picture of Dominic Cummings or something by accident, oh, and then had to delete it. I saw and that. I, I like, saw an MP, a uh, European MP, tweeted a picture of his Zoom call. It was about uh, uh, European international security, but on, obviously in the corner it had the the meeting number. <laughs> and the journalist popped in and was like, "Hey!" And the, the main guy who was uh, heading up was like, "You know, you could get arrested." Oh, He's like, "Yeah, no, I just want to say hello." He's like, "You better go before the police come." <laughs> what the police come in Zoom? <laughs> Yeah, it was also <laughs> there was also the Pope liking a, a model's photo on Instagram. That's what I was yeah. thinking of. That's what which I was, was amazing. Was Just imagine the Pope, the horny Pope, the Pope having a little scroll yeah. and going, "Oh, that deserves a like." <laughs> well, she looks tasty. <laughs> Right, so cue, cue the music. Uh, Mark, for each guest we have on the show, we um, we do a quick fire round at the end. 
it's the against the run of play section. Um, so where we basically get you to say the first thing that comes to your mind. And I think some of these are a bit juicier now. You've talked about some of the topics already. Um, so are you ready to give it a go? Yeah, let's go for it. Awesome. So standard start of a question. Uh, Messi or Ronaldo? Messi. <laughs> I think well, I would say both, but for the, for the, for the, the reason <laughs> of the game. I don't you think have to choose one. They're two different players. It's like, yeah, it's just too different. Why do we yeah. have to choose? Let's just, just enjoy them. Yeah, just exactly. enjoy. Stop, ask, right, stop asking your questions, Elliot. God. <laughs> okay. Messi, Ronaldo, okay. or let's just all just let's just quit. Um, Nike or Adidas? Adidas. Lampard or Gerard? Lampard. Fair enough. Uh, Forty-yard screamer or Tiki Taka team goal? Forty-yard screamer. Everybody Running knows. forward, mid, mid, mid shot, knowing it's going in. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's the, that's the one. I'm thinking Gaza. Did, were you there for Gaza in the, in no. the uh, 90s? No. No. I wish and I was The last scream I can't remember the last scream I saw. It was like Sun at Wembley. Wanyama, Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool away. Liverpool away Liverpool. That was a screamer. Mm. Nice screamer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, would you be, if you're a manager, would you be a suit manager or a tracksuit manager? Oh, I was a manager. Yeah. I mean, a suit manager. I mean, it's like. Being a manager is like being a pop star or a rock star, right? It's, I, I probably wouldn't be a suit manager or a track star. I'd probably be, be like, maybe like a hybrid. Like a We've had this Chino, answer before. Chinos and a jumper. Yeah, Pep. Yeah, maybe yeah, some like cotton chinos. Yeah. Zara fleece. <laughs> more like pyjamas. Wear what I want. I'm the manager. More, more Pep than Sherwood. <laughs> I'd wear I'd wear retro Spurs shirts. Love that. Arsenal, yeah. ga Arsenal gaffer and US version, that would be ideal. Like a FIFA glitch. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. <laughs> um, do you prefer a last minute winner or a 5 6 nil thrashing? 5 nil thrashing. I mean, really? there's nothing better than a last minute winner, but I would have left by then. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in Arnold's Grove. <laughs> stress, the stress of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm busy shouting at uh, Jason Cunding <laughs> by then. Yeah, yeah. Um, and last question: Harry Kane or Alan Shearer? Uh, Harry Kane. Yeah. Harry Kane. I didn't realise how Is good Alan Shearer was. I was watching him Premier League years. Phenomenal player. But no, Harry Kane. He's got everything, and he's got slightly more personality. <laughs> do you reckon he'll? Um, do you reckon he'll eclipse him on the on the two sixty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, unless he goes, yeah, unless he goes abroad. Which I'm, I'm still baffled. No one's put in a massive offer. Maybe they have, but um, for me, he's the. I was having this conversation. Which, which team wouldn't he get into? There isn't. There isn't one. There isn't one. Walks yeah. into every team. Yeah. So, no, he should. If he was he 27, 28, he should certainly break the England record. He's, I think, by far the most underappreciated footballer we've ever had. Yep. The, the abuse he gets is just is totally unjustified. We're lucky to have him, and and that's not even being a Spurs fan; it's being a, a football fan. Mm. Mm. Smashed it! Thank you so much for coming on. Honestly, really appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Really enjoyed it. I didn't have to put the kids to bed. So <laughs> any time. Results. Right. Have a good evening and uh, come and Spurs. Hopefully, we'll see you at the lane soon. Thanks for listening to episode 12 of the Run of Play podcast. It was a pleasure to chat to Mark Howard from Entourage Global about how talent and brands can come together and, of course, to chat about Spurs. 
Please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and drop us a rating on whichever platform you prefer. You can also follow us on at runofplaypod on Twitter and Instagram for more content and to stay informed as to when a new episode drops. Run of Play will be back very soon with another special guest, so stay tuned and we'll see you next time. Thank you.